Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My intention was to be a good friend to Jen, but I have seen what's happening and I have decided to abort mission and hide in a corner. Why are your friends saying they're scared of you and not saying it's your face? I don't know. I don't know. So that's why I'm saying, as your friend, I wanted you to know that. I don't as, know, and I don't give a as a Meredith friend, I want to know why everyone's talking about her marriage and not like giving. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City edition. For some reason, I'm losing my voice. I'm sounding like Lisa Barlow. Maybe that's what's happening. Let's talk about the episode. I didn't talk about last week, but I thought it was a good episode. It was like a good establishing episode, right? For the mess that is going to happen in this episode and the rest of the season. So what do we need to know from last episode going into this episode. Seth and Meredith are, they have pledged their love and have decided to, you know, rekindle whatever's going on there. Um, Jen Shaw has made some allegations about uh, the state of the Mark's marriage. Possibly, you know, maybe there's a boyfriend. Maybe there's a girlfriend. Maybe there's both on both sides, you know? Maybe, like, you know, like Phaedra, she's doing them both, you know. Um, what else do we need to know? You guys, I don't like to, like, outright stand housewives. Whitney's really doing it for me, guys. It, why? Why? Why do I love her? Let me count the ways. I thought this uh, conversation that she had with her father about him wanting to move out of the um uh the in-person care facility for his rehab uh i thought that was really great really her standing her ground and being just so open and vulnerable and honest about his struggle and her their dynamic how he's treated her in the past and i thought it was so just like how devastating to be the child of an addict and to have them do something so shocking like basically take your entire life and throw the fact that they raised you in your face as a means of manipulating you into doing things for them especially financially like 
there's a lot of healing that needs to be happening within the Rose family or whatever her maiden name is. And, you know, I, I appreciate her putting that and putting all her mess out there for everybody to see and her handling it so well and her standing up for herself and saying like, dad, I can't keep bankrolling your lifestyle. And I can't just like, I have to put my foot down on you not wanting a roommate and wanting me to fund your new life and you getting your hair care, whatever the hell you're wanting to do. Honestly, we could have a whole special about Whitney and her family, a whole show, a whole spinoff. Um, what else went on? I think those were like the really big points for me. So let's talk about the current episode. We start off with Meredith and the kids taking the dog out for a walk. It's Meredith, it's Brooks, it's um, Lola or uh, Yoga. I don't know what that other 18-year-old child's name is. The one who keeps popping in from college. I don't know how they managed to go on this walk outside. It seemed like both of the kids were coming off of like some, you know, milk of amnesia, some propofol. It just seems like they were struggling <laughs> through a pool of sedatives to even talk or walk. So, um, they're like, you know, how are you and dad? Is next week Valentine's Day? <sighs> I don't know. It's just, anyway, she and Seth are doing much better. And she tells the kids... You know, we went through therapy and we're learning not to like, you know, we're learning to communicate differently and not attack each other. And Brooks is like, "Uh, do you guys have to go to therapy to learn that not to attack each other? And it's like, you know what, Brooks? Sorry, we don't all have, you know, we don't all come out of the womb with emotional intelligence and a sketch for one clothing item with our name on the sides of it. Like, we can't all be winners. Sorry, Brooks. We could all do better under the Brooksmark program. Who knows where this country would be? Anyway, then we head to Lisa's house and she's asking her son, Jack, the 15 year old, if he, you know, he's there in the kitchen and he's like getting some cereal. She's like, do you want that? Do you want me to make you something, a snack? He's like, no, I don't want a hot dog, a microwave hot dog. I'm good. I'm going to take these lucky charms and push it. And truly, she was so offended by him reading her down like that. I think we've got a new Supreme. I'm officially saying I'm, I will, honestly, I never stand Brooks, but I think Jack is, you know, a queen, a queen on the horizon and I'm ready for him and for his reign to take over. Long live Jack. Long live Jack Barlow. I love it. She was so upset. You could see an expression forming under all of that filler. Like, it really moved her. And I love to see it. I, you guys, this is something sick about me, is that I really like to see how filler navigates its way through other people's faces and how that translates, if you will. Like, I just like to see... (laughs) Like, when people force their faces to make an expression. I just like to see, like, then you can really see what's going on under there. Like, you can see where the fillers are, where it's tight, where they put it. And that's just interesting to me. I don't think I'm ever going to have those procedures done. I'm not against it. Like, if y'all like it, I love it. It, it, For me, it's still a little bit science experiment-y. But you know what? Do what you want. I barely emote myself and, you know, maybe that is something that I need to have help with, you know, (laughs) it's not, you can't blame the fillers on that. So who, who are me to judge? Um, so then we get Jen, Jen's in bed, fully dressed, but in bed, Assistant number 17 is at the bedside waiting. She's planning a surprise birthday party for, Coach Shaw. 
I go back and forth on like, should I call him Sharif? Should I call him Coach Shaw? I think she's trying to brand him as Coach Shaw, which makes me want to call him as Sharif. Call him Sharif because you guys know that I've been very anti Jen and her shenanigans. So this scene particularly was like, ugh, it bristled me a little bit. I just like, do you need? What do you do? <laughs> What does Jen do? What does Jen do to be able to uh, create the idea that she needs several assistants? Where's Stuart? You know, where's Stuart? Um, So like I said, they're planning the birthday party and she basically is like, (laughs) I'm only doing this because I learned that relationships are a two-way street and that like maybe I should put some effort in. Now, I have a little bit of conflicting feelings about this, what she's doing, this, what the ulterior motive is behind the party, because very clearly she is suffering and she feels abandoned in this marriage. So I don't really want to shade her when it, when she says things like, oh, I just realized that like, maybe I should do something for him. Um, that make my immediate reaction is like, why have you not been doing things for him the whole time? But it's like, what am I saying here? Like, I just don't, I, I empathize with her because I know she's going through it. But then it's also like, she says these things about their relationship that kind of hints at the fact that like, maybe she's not trying hard enough, even though she's presenting this relationship dynamic is like her feeling very alone, even though, or because he is uh, traveling and, and so busy with work. And I think she said last week, like, you know, the issue is it's like we don't work any. I don't he doesn't work any more than I do in terms of hours, but it's that he has to travel and he has to be there. He has to be on the field and be involved. And that's what really it takes that is the real issue i'm very conflicted i feel for jen i really do but she has to figure out like and maybe this is coming up next episode because we saw it in the preview she needs to figure out like tap into her anger and really unpack that really does so like i said She's telling assistant number 16 that she wants to make it Shaw amazing and it's going to be Shabam.com. And, you know, I don't need this in my life. You know, I don't, I don't need that sort of negativity. It's going to be hip hop themed, but it's going to be at one of those like top golf, like chic, you can get a martini and also like, you know, see how far the ball how how far you can hit the ball. What do you call that? Driving range. <laughs> I actually like going to the driving range. I haven't been in so long, but it is an activity that I enjoy. So that is going to be the theme. Hip hop at a top golf. Um, so she feels like, you know, she's like, here's another thing that she said. And I thought it was very telling. She said, I want to show him that we can have fun. Like, as a couple. And I thought that was very interesting. Like, she must feel like the fun has gone out of their relationship. And, and ladies, I gotta say, if you feel like you have to prove that you're a fun girl, a good time girl, if you will, (laughs) in your relationship, to me, that's like not a great sign I think that's almost in like too little too late territory y'all know what I mean like if the fun is gone and if you feel like you have to prove to your partner that you can be a fun person what's what's happening there you know what is happening um so then she the, the assistant leaves she calls Whitney she facetimes Whitney and talk, they're talking about the party. And Whitney's like, oh, are you going to invite Mary? Jen's like, no, I just, I don't think so. Whitney tries to kind of talk her into it. You know, like, I would feel bad for her being left out. But 
Jen, she's like, you know, I understand this is your party for your husband. Maybe this is not the event to bring Mary into. I don't like it, but I respect it. Um, and Jen's like, you know, I would have invited her. I thought we could get to a place after her, you know, <laughs> after the Met Gala. I thought we could get to a place where we we're like, hey, you know, we can be in the same room together. I can say hi to you. I can fix your wig if you need to. But we went to the fashion show and she didn't say a word to me and we were sitting right next to each other. So I, I don't feel the need to have her there. Basically. And I thought, yeah, that's fair. That is fair. And especially like. If this is going to be for her husband and clearly they're going through it, the relationship is going through it. Like, I, I understand why she wouldn't want to bring Mary there because she doesn't want anything bad to happen. She's trying to prove something in her own relationship. It's not about Mary. I don't see the necess- the need for her to be there. Um... So then Shen says, you know, like, I don't want filler people there. You know, if if that's what I wanted, I would have just hired models staying around and look cute. Like, why do I have to bring Mary? <laughs> I can pay people. So then this brings us to Mary. She's at home alone. She FaceTimes Grandpa Zaddy. He's in Florida, Florida, checking on one of their homes. So in an interview, Mary says, you know, my grandma built this empire with the church We have homes all over the country, restaurants, a mortgage company. Like, we're good. And so a producer asks Mary in a talking head, how many homes do you guys have? And she's like, uh, so I don't know. (laughs) But then she lists them off. She says that they have homes in Orlando. They have homes in Carmel, Indiana. They have a home in New York, they have, and I want to know where that apartment is in New York, because we didn't see the apartment itself, we saw the terrace, I need to know, I need to know where that apartment is, I need to know, um, they've got a place in Vegas, huge place in Vegas, the house that they own in Salt Lake that they live in that we've seen, um, another place in Orlando, you know, all the chic (laughs) cities in, in this world, from Carmel to Vegas, to Manhattan, to Orlando. She's got it all. She's got it all. Um, and then she makes a point to say, <laughs> like, we own these outright. These are not rental properties. These are not investment properties. If we're not there, nobody's there. Because, and then she makes a face. It's kind of like, ugh, like, ew. Like, we're above having people in our home. And it's like, yeah. You know, given your propensity for sharing, Mary, I don't know that we need to, like, you know what? I'm going to backtrack that and say, if I had to share a dick with my grandma, I would be very precious about every single thing in my life and making sure that it's just for me and that I don't have to share it with anybody else. So, you know what, Mary? I was going to roast you, but now I get it. I get it. Anyway, she tells Grandpa over FaceTime that she's not invited to Jen's party. Whitney told her. And she's like, you know what? It's ignorant and it's rude. He says jealousy is a cruel cruel mistress. He's really trying to hype her up this, like, jealousy angle. Mary says, you know, I'm trying not to have a bad feeling about this. But then she's like, she starts to cry. She's like, you know what? I really just don't understand it. And I really, like... The tears usually don't get me like that, but I really felt for Mary because I saw in her a woman who felt very isolated and very abandoned. And I have to imagine that there was probably a lot of Mary's life where she felt like different, weird, even much. And like, maybe she didn't have a lot of friends. And so now she's seeing like these women... It's like you you finally made the cheerleading squad and then you're finding out that you're not getting invited to the sleepovers. I get it. I totally get it. I really actually felt for her. He was like, why are you crying? And she's like, you know, I really don't understand it. I'm hurt. And I feel left out and abandoned, not just because Jen's not inviting me to this party, but I feel like 
the other women feel the same way that I do about Jen and that they feel like they're afraid of her, but they don't say anything because they're scared of her and they don't want to have the wrath of Jen Shaw. And so I get left out and by myself while they are hanging around her. And it's like, I get the shit end of the deal when they all feel the same way about Jen that I do, which is that she's like volatile and flies off the handle. Um, and it's basically not fair that like Jen gets to run everything and then also leave me out. I get it. I get it. I, Jen, I just, I feel bad for her because she genuinely doesn't understand what's going on. And at this point, Jen's like, we need to let the mouse go. Like clearly your issues are stemming and your outbursts are stemming from, you feeling some type of way about your marriage. Like you got your, we we get it. You got your licks in about the hospital smell, you know, let's get out of that bed. So we don't develop bed sores. Take a walk around the floor, put, put those socks on that have like, you know, the little scrubby things so you don't slip. And you know, let's just get, let's breathe some new life into the situation. Let's get the circulation. Like let's just move on. Shall we Jen? Let's just move on. So now it's Valentine's Day and Heather's husband comes over to the house with balloons, stuff for the girls. I was like, were you guys surprised at his, the way he looked? (laughs) Not to be blunt, but like we've seen flashback pictures of him. I was just surprised at how much weight he had lost. And I don't, I don't know what's going on behind that. I don't want to predict or protect or say anything, but he had lost a significant amount of weight from the pictures that we saw that Heather provided the show of them, like as an actual family. So I was a little bit surprised at who this guy was. Um, But I also was like surprised in another way because he gave me, he had like a more cool vibe than I would have thought. Like from the pictures, he looked very nerdy, really uptight, really like Heather was a victim in this marriage. And I don't doubt, not to say that like, oh, he looks much cooler in person than in these pictures that erases that. But like, he did give off more of a vibe where I'm like, okay, I kind of see this. He seems like a little bit charming. Not for me. But I, I understood the full picture seeing the scene. I like that they're, they get along still. I like that they're able to have these moments with the girls and he can come over and they seem fine or at least fine enough to be around the kids. Um, I find that interesting. Maybe these are just assumptions that I made. She makes such a big deal about being a divorcee that I thought that like maybe the merit or the divorce was nasty or contentious and that they didn't really speak to each other. I don't think that they should be speaking to each other given, (laughs) given what Heather said later, but I appreciate, I I found it surprising that they actually have the type of relationship where they can hang out and be chill with each other. So she tells us the whole story of their relationship, the highlights they met, said he checked all the boxes at first. He was tall and he's cool and he was rich and he had a Howard Hughes connection. I'm not, I'm curious to know how much that Howard Hughes connection factored in <laughs> to her decision to be with this man, Billy. Um, I would like to go back to that. Let's, let's unpack that later. Um, so she said, you know, after they got engaged, it was pretty much apparent right then and there that they were not the same type of people. They weren't going to work. Y'all, what was the story that she told? She talks about an anecdote. That she's like, I think we saw like Scary Movie 3 in theaters or something. And there was a scene with a glory hole. And he was so upset that he wanted to leave. She didn't want to leave. She didn't really understand what the big deal was. So he ended up withholding sex from her because he thought that she was being debaucherous by wanting to stay and watch that scene. Can you imagine? (laughs) Excuse me. And then she says, 
if I wasn't reeling and dizzy from that, she says that the reason why they got separated is because she was going to have some kind of event, like a shower or some event for like a milestone event for one of the kids, one of her daughters. He wanted her to reschedule it to fit his sister's schedule. She didn't want to do it. And so he said, okay, you can keep the event at the same time, the same place, but I'm moving out next week. Excuse me, bitch. Get the hell out of here. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Heather says she was the never say no wife. And the minutes she said no, he left. And that she's like, you know, I only got married to like live up to these Mormon tenets of having a family and having a forever eternal family and a husband and having kids and you know, so losing him was losing everything because she basically abandoned everything that was natural to her to bend herself to this religion, made it her entire life, and then he leaves her because his sister might miss an event in which they have like past apps and you're all cooing over a child like sir sir (laughs) that's the part that heather should be upset about like maybe maybe she's not upset because she said she never really loved him that's got to be it okay okay i get it now i get it this is why they're able to have a good relationship because she was never really fucking with that dude anyway she's upset that he that she put all her eggs in this basket this mormon perfect basket and he dropped it. He dropped it from the top of a 10 foot tall, 10 foot, 10 story building. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, she says she doesn't regret the marriage, but you know, at this point she's a divorcee and she feels ostracized and totally alone from the community. Do we talk about that guy that she went home with? Or that guy that like took her out to the van or something. <laughs> what did he do? Anyway. <laughs> um, so then our next scene, we get Whitney. She comes over to Mary's house. They get in. Whitney's like, should I take my shoes off? And Mary's like, you can just put booties on. Like, no problem. She's like, I I make everybody wear booties when they walk in. Because I don't know if you did a hurl and you stepped in it. I don't know if the a bird decided to bless you that day. Like, shoes are dirty. <laughs> I would truly like to spend um, three and a half daytime daylight hours with Mary. I just want to see like when you shoes are dirty. We know this. Most people don't have people coming in their house tracking shoes around. Got it. Why you would think it's the examples for me. <laughs> like There are plenty of reasons why you wouldn't want something. But why would why would her mind immediately going to somebody threw up and then walked in it? Like that to me means something happened. Like, you know, when you see these warnings on like pieces of, uh, you know, like on a toaster, it's like, don't put this in the bath. And you, you know that they said that because somebody actually did it. Like something happened in Mary's past where somebody puked, stepped in it and tracked it in her house. And I want to hear that story. Because that story just doesn't come to you naturally. That's not an example that doesn't come without, you know, some triggering moments. 
And honestly, like, maybe we need to be asking this question. Those are the kind of booties that you wear at the OR. Are the booties not triggering to her? Is that not part of the hospital hangover that she's got? The booties? <laughs> I just I just need to know, like, which aspects of the hospital are still bring her to that very dark place. Is it just the smell? Is it a, is it a bright overhead light? I, what else is happening here? You know? Um, so Mary takes Whitney into her, she's like, Oh, here's my, I think she said, here's my closet or here are all my clothes. And then we learned that this is not, you know, fair enough. If you haven't like had the time to build out a, a whole closet for you and all your wares fair. I didn't realize that this was her master bedroom <laughs> that had been taken over by all of her clothes, all of her shoes. She's like, you know, I like to be, I just like to wear Gucci on a Wednesday. That's, that's just me. Why does she not have a closet? Whitney asked the perfect question. How does this girl have a 20,000 20, square foot house? And yet she, this is what her bedroom likes. Like she looks like a high end hoarder. <laughs> she absolutely does like I'm picturing you guys I had a, a I went to a dark place over the summer <laughs> in which I watched hoarders and I think I've mentioned this before I have a relationship with hoarders where it's like it's much like my relationship with like Cinnabon like it's so it's too much it's too much and I can only consume it like once, maybe twice a year. But this year, you know, last year rather, over the summer, I was like, you know what? Let's just get into it. And I binged, you know, what would have been the equivalent of a season of hoarders. <laughs> and it was a lot for me. But you know what? Whitney was completely correct. She reminded me of this woman who, and for all my hoarders heads, y'all know this was a, a landmark episode in which there was this lady who had hoarded out her whole house and so when they come to check on her she's sitting in a um one of those chairs you, like those recliner chairs in a with a blanket over her you can't even see her because she's blended into her hoard and they're like where are you and you only know her because she's like giggling <laughs> she's giggling and then it's like oh now you're finally able to see something moving here's old toothless lady laughing in a recliner chair amongst all her hoard and roaches ah <sighs> lord that's what she looked like that's what i'm picturing two years from now mary in her living room giggling under a whole you know line of G gucci's fall winter 2023 and I want to see that. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, you know, Mary is like, I'm just going to cut to the chase right now. Um, I want to talk to you about Whitney. I want to talk to you about Whitney. And I, excuse me, I want to talk to you about Jen. And I want your opinion on Jen because I feel like nobody has my back. <laughs> Whitney's like, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. And what's up? Like, do you think that everybody's afraid of Jen? And Mary's like, yeah, Meredith and Lisa have both said things to me. Like they're freaked out by her. They are scared of her, but they wanted to play it safe. And Whitney's like, I am sorry that us ignoring Jen has created a monster. I think that Whitney is... She must have, she must have gone through therapy. Something about her gives me like, I have done the work, you know, she is able to take it in. She didn't get defensive. She didn't make excuses for herself. She said, you're right. I can admit that like, in my desire to like be friends with both of you, I made some decisions that is now leaving you out. I feel badly about it. And I want to rectify that situation I thought that was great really in a, an above and beyond apology and it really goes above and beyond <laughs> in the execution later in the episode so we go back to Meredith and her family 
Um, it's just Meredith and Seth and Brooks. Seth is in like full flirty. I just got my girl back. There goes my baby. I'm here. I'm claiming her. He is in like full flirtatious mode. They're trying to figure out like what to order. She wants sushi. She's like, Seth, what do you want for dinner? And he's like, I want you. And Brooks is like in the other end of the room. And he's like, Ugh, can you guys like do this in your like bedroom? Like I'm standing right here. Like, can you not? <laughs> I'm just going to order food for all of us. This is disgusting. So he's on the phone ordering food. Do you guys want some spare ribs? Should I order that? And Seth is over there and he's like, oh, are you wearing your ring today? Your wedding ring? And she pulls her hand out and he's like, oh, that looks nice. It's like a nice looking ring on you, girl. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, I find them genuinely revolting. Like deep down inside, I know that they're soulmates and they'll be together forever. But like, it's like, ew. So then Meredith says, you know, we've always made our marriage work for the kids. And now we're at a place where the kids are grown and it's just us. And now we're making our marriage work for us and not for our family. So they all sit down. The food is there. They start to do a cheers and Brooks cuts them off and is like, you know what? I just want you to know that my bedroom is below your bedroom you're gonna have sex can you please go to another room because I can't I, I'm disgusted I'm gonna throw up the spare rib all over your bed if I hear one sex noise he didn't say that last part but you know what he was thinking it <laughs> he was thinking it. um go to another room Brooks you're the only kid in the house like why do you need to why do you need to sleep below them Go sleep in yoga's room, okay? So then we get Whitney. She goes over to her friend Sarah's house. So we all know Sarah. She made quite the impact in the episode for, or the season premiere where they're at the party and she walks in and thinks that it's, uh, did she think it was Whitney's birthday or Mayor's, Lisa, I, I can't remember. She thought it was somebody's birthday. I think maybe she thought it was Jen's birthday and it wasn't. Um, Sarah, I think you guys all know by now that, like, it's been a big rumor that once we saw her on the premiere, everybody was like, who's that girl? She's so funny. What's the deal with her? So the rumor is that Sarah was supposed to be a cast member, supposed to be a housewife, but she is, um, how do we say this? Sarah is the type of person who, you know, probably went to D.C. this week. Sarah's a prob probably the type of person who would agree with Ivanka Trump that the people who stormed the Capitol were patriots. Sarah's the type of person who posts a lot of uh, Wayfair conspiracy theories on her Instagram stories. So you guys know what I mean? This is why she wasn't able to be a full-time cast member on the show. <laughs> This is what happened. So obviously they're like, we have to have this establishing scene. We'll just throw her in there. We already paid for it. So let's just get this big scene with Sarah, even though it doesn't really make sense that Whitney would have this whole big scene with her, with a woman who's not really a full-time cast member. So Whitney says that they have similar backgrounds. They're kind of like out, um, uh, what's the word? I keep wanting to say outskirted ousted outed I don't know <laughs> there's a word and I can't think of it they were both kind of like put on the outskirts of the Mormon community and their religion and their network because they've both been married multiple times Sarah's on her third marriage Whitney's on her second and they're both just kind of like fun girls they're about the same age they've gone through similar things in life and they get along that way um basically we get more information and I thought this was very interesting into what's going on with like the dynamic between her marriage now. Cause when we met Whitney and Justin initially, it was like, they're doing a vow renewal. We know that like 
the way they got together was less than savory. I think both been married, getting together, deciding to marry each other. People didn't approve of them. It was like a long uphill battle. But then we're taught to believe that like everything's cool now. Everything's fine. After 10 years of them being married, right? So then she tells us a little bit more information about basically <laughs> it's like a weird pseudo not quite season of the crown happening here where the parallels are there. His parents clearly, very clearly wanted his first marriage to work. This was the one, this was supposed to be a one and done. Whitney in the situation is kind of like Camilla. She's the other woman. They did not approve of the second marriage. This was not what they wanted. This was not their dream for sweet Justin, right? But then it goes further, right? Because we all know that the royal family wasn't super crazy about Diana. But they were defensive in the sense that, like, she was there for a purpose. And she should have been fulfilling this purpose, right? So, in Justin's case, they actually really like the first wife. To the point where Winnie tells us that they still have Justin and, I think they said Stacy. They still have Justin and Stacy's wedding photos up. In their home. And they basically told Justin that they don't care how long he's married to Whitney, that they're only going to recognize this first marriage with Stacy. And it took them six to seven years to even put up a picture of Justin and Whitney's wedding, but they put it next to Justin's wedding picture with Stacy. And then Whitney ups the ante even further by saying that Stacy is now remarried and that Justin's parents have a picture of Stacy and her new husband next to all the other wedding photos. <laughs> so, like, you know what? Is it incredibly weird that I'm now on the wall next to Justin and his ex-wife and Justin's ex-wife and her new husband? Absolutely. But I'm just happy to be on the wall. Just happy to be recognized. <laughs> I love Whitney so much that I'm not even going to like go in on her really on this like denim jumpsuit slash Canadian tuxedo make it fashion thing that she's wearing. Honestly, she killed it. I don't care. I don't care. I like a denim jumpsuit, you guys, and I think they're fun and retro. And I know people made fun of Eileen for wearing that denim jumpsuit one time. And I thought that she looked so cute. I thought it was a real good look for her. This is a little bit extra, but honestly, you know, not every woman can carry off a chunky denim as a main piece of clothing outside of jeans. And so if you can do it, do it, do it. I love it. I love Whitney. I just love Whitney. <laughs> oh, you guys, I, Whitney responded to one of my tweets the other day. I tweeted, and this is true. I tweeted my, um, attraction to Justin hear me out. I think that something about Justin is very sexy to me. I feel the same way about uh, John Barlow, Lisa's husband, and a little bit about Seth. I've been hearing you guys don't really like Seth. And I think people feel like he is um, manipulative. Maybe I kind of like him. <laughs> and you know what? Part of this podcast is therapy. And that's admitting that, like, I am not a perfect person. I am attracted to men that are uh, largely emotionally unavailable. And then they give you spurts of, like, you know, it's like you broke them. I like to break a man. <laughs> and Seth seems like a broken man, and that's why I'm attracted to him. And that's my truth. That's my truth. Do I need to talk to somebody professional about it? Yeah, probably. But, like, I'll get around to it. So back to Whitney and Sarah. Basically, Whitney's like, I am worried about confronting Jen because I don't want her to blow up on me. And Sarah's like, look, I like... <clears throat> Sorry, guys, my voice. My voice. <laughs> the Lisa Barlow really is jumping out. Sarah's is like, you know, I like Jen, but she's a lot. And if you want my advice or... Whatever it is that you're looking for, I think you guys should talk about it. And Whitney's like, yeah, I agree. And 
I think the best way to go about this is to talk about it with Sharif or in front of Sharif because Jen is a completely different person. She is quiet. She's sweet. And I think she's going to be a lot more receptive if I were to say this when Sharif is around. And so Sarah's like, are you going to say it at the party? Seems like the perfect time, right? And Whitney's like, yeah, I think I will do that. (laughs) Bad idea, girl. But I loved it. I love to watch it. Then we get this kind of like throwaway scene of Lisa taking her kids to the aquarium. And she's like, wow, is that a shark? I love that. Wow. Penguin? Love that. Love that. Um, Her youngest son, Henry, is a bit of a conspiracy theorist. And he seems to be under the impression that glowfish were made at Area 51. Okay. Lisa says that she's determined to spend more time with her family because basically their house is just a crash pad and Henry, the eight-year-old, calls his room his apartment and wants to have a mini fridge in it. And she's like, you know what? If he wants to have a mini fridge, I will let him have it if it means that he's going to live with me forever. So Lisa's main thing is basically that, like, she's trying to become the next Steve Jobs. She is trying to rule the world. She's trying to be a hashtag girl boss. And she's making that happen. It's coming at the expense of her family. Jack, you know, is living in his apartment. Um, John, her husband, is feeling abandoned. And the kids are feeling abandoned by her. And her not being like a mother to them like they feel like she should be. So Lisa is now talking about going into business with the boys. They want to create a hair care line called Fresh Wolf. And so this is going to be the exciting new opportunity that she has to bond with her sons while also making money off of them. So, good. I'm glad we got that all settled. Thank you, Lisa. Um, Next, it's time for Sharif's surprise party. Jen. With a hip-hop theme... Jen's decided to dress like Beyonce from that year of the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think it's important that we remember that Beyonce didn't even headline that year. It was Coldplay. And then she and Bruno Mars took over and they did moves from Step Up to the Streets. And Chris Martin stood in the background with an acoustic guitar, like doing nothing. It was basically just like, yes, Beyonce, do that shit. Why don't you, you know, like do a dance off and, you know, don't believe, don't believe me. Just watch. What song is that called? This one for the hooker. Too hot. What is the song? Don't believe me. Just watch. What is that song? <laughs> it's Uptown Funk. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uptown Funk. Okay. So. I want to know how Jen, if this is a surprise birthday party, how did Jen, A, get out of the house with a Beyonce replica costume, B, talk Coach Shaw into <laughs> wearing a white Adidas tracksuit with those, like, Kangol hats that LL Cool J wears? Like, how does she say, like, we're going to go on a date to Popeye's? And I need you to wear, I need you to look like a member of Run DMC. Why? <laughs> anyway. Um, so they're driving, he's driving and is, they get to the wedding or the party, but then Jen and Sharif are on their way and she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to take you to Popeye's. This is going to be your, your birthday date. And he's so excited. But then we see these, the women like gathering at the party these women did hip hop much better than I expected. How they translated it was m- far better. It was like I was expecting this was going to be like an Orange County situation where, like, we all know that if Shannon Bedore was like, oh, there's going to be a hip hop theme, she's coming with some sort of like inflatable boombox over her shoulder, a sideways hat. She's basically going to be dressed like Favor Flav and saying, like, yo, yo, yo to all the wait staff you know, putting our hands up in people's faces. And this was more like the women are like looking at Instagram baddies 
and doing that. Like they all looked like basketball wives. They all looked like when (laughs) a black guy brings his white girlfriend over for Thanksgiving and she is like, it was like that episode. And I always say this. It was like that episode of Sex and the City where Samantha dates a black guy. He worked at the record label. And then all of a sudden her, her, um, wardrobe was looking a little bit different that episode. She was looking real like JLo. It looks like that. It looks like I just got a black boyfriend and I'm trying to not make it seem like my dad hates black guys. <laughs> that, that was a little bit more of where they were going with that. Brooks, by the way, was like, mom, I picked out earlier, mom, I picked out an outfit for you. And I just think it's going to be look, looks like so bomb. It was literally just, he found three pieces of, what was it? Louis, was it Louie? I think it was a Louis print or maybe a Fendi, a Fendi top, Fendi print top, Fendi print pants and a Fendi print jacket. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This was Brooks Marks fashion. Like you did all this work and like, like you, like you went searching through the Vogue closet for an outfit for your mother. And you just found something with the same print, a completely monoprint outfit all from the same brand. You know, it's basically just telling your mom to pop on some granimals and go to this party girl. She wore it. She wore it. So, Like I said, Jen told Sharif, surprise, we're going to Popeye's for your birthday. And he was like, yes, ma'am, I'm excited. He's like, I cannot wait. I don't eat chicken, but I can have a shrimp po' boy. And I'm here for it. He was like, generally, genuinely, pep in a step. I'm excited. I'm going to get some shrimp po' boy. I have never had, I'm like vehemently anti-seafood when it comes to fast food restaurants but I think out of all the fast food restaurants I would have some shrimp from Popeye's let me know if you guys have ordered the shrimp from Popeye's and if it's a sound decision or not sound off in the comments (laughs) let me know (laughs) so then Jen they get into like you know the shopping area where the Popeye's is it's like all right we're gonna go this way she's like no go this way like He's like, why would I go this way when the Popeyes is over here? She's like, well, actually, we're going to play golf. And she was like, oh, really? Oh, wow. That's, that's fun. That's really neat. That's really neat. <laughs> it's like, damn, I really had my mouth tuned up for the shrimp po' boy. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so he walks into the top golf place and he realizes the party's for him. He lights up. Everything's great. He's having a great time. He's like, you know, Jen told me we were going to Popeye's and I was just so excited, but this is great too. Jen at this point has taken her jacket off and he's like, looks around, turns around and is like, what are you wearing? <laughs> She's like, I'm dressed like Beyonce. He's like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Sharif has no idea what's going on. He just wants some some, some Popeyes. Let the man have some shrimp. Anyway, so now before this, Jen admitted that she had not thrown a party for 
Sharif in 20 years. Now, granted, is throwing a party for your partner like some sort of relationship marker? No. No. But then she says, you know, looking around this room, because I guess she had had people fly in. It was like 150 guests. She's like, looking around this room, if this party doesn't show Sharif how much I love him, maybe I'll just start dating other people. And then the camera, the editing flashes to Meredith. And then and it, the producer asks Jen if she's being, that's a dig on Meredith and Seth. And she's like, no comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Heather's excited. She's wearing Yeezy. She's like, you know what? Jen's last party was like some sort of eyes wide shut, weirdo white people bullshit. But this one is actually like, I'm going to be the last guest. This is going to be a good time. Everyone decides to have a dance off. It's giving like that old story. The one story in Hollywood that I know not to be true, but I wish it was. It's giving me like Brittany and Justin doing their dance off on the floor. You guys remember that rumor that one time they were at the club after they had broken up and that Brittany was with her crew of dancers. Justin was with his. They met on the dance floor and had this epic dance off. Apparently this is not true, even though it was featured in the, um, you know, always historically correct lifetime channels, uh, biopic of Brittany. Apparently the story is not actually factual, but if we're going to recreate a moment, let's recreate a moment. It is um, Coach Sharif, who's <laughs> brought on Whitney as his um, teammate, I guess, versus Jen. So they're going back and forth with each other. Um, Whitney is having the time of her life. She's pussy popping on a handstand, literally. One point she fell, but she was able to execute the other one pretty well. Lisa is pretty shady towards Whitney, I thought, and was like, you know what, Whitney loves attention, whether or not it's good or bad, and, you know, like, I just, that's not really me, like, I would never be out there dancing like that, and what's going on with Lisa and Whitney? What's going on there? So, then we get, (laughs) Whitney's decided to confront Jen about of the other ladies, Meredith and Lisa being scared. She told Heather earlier, she stopped over at beauty lab and told Heather earlier, like Mary told me that Lisa and Meredith have been saying that they're scared of Jen, but they don't want to say anything. They don't want to rock the boat with her. So I'm going to like confront everybody. So the point, (laughs) the plan was the Heather was supposed to play like defense, backup, bodyguard, whatever you want to call it, to Whitney. So Whitney was supposed to start with Jen, and then Heather was supposed to come in and be like the fixer, right? So Whitney's wasted, <laughs> and it's never more apparent until she starts to talk to Jen. So Whitney starts off, she takes Jen, and she's like, I told you from day one that I stand up for what's right and wrong, right? You're good with Meredith and Lisa, right? And you guys have a clean slate? Because I was really surprised to hear this week that maybe there wasn't a clean slate. Let, Let me start over in this conversation. I told you from day one that I always stand up for what's wrong and what's right, right? (laughs) So Heather's like watching Whitney stumble through these words and she's like I, I, I gotta get in here but she does it in the worst way and Whitney's like Heather tries to interview and Whitney's like no 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 Jen I'm coming to you as a loyalty so it really surprised me to hear that the other women <laughs> like she's clearly had a speech <laughs> that she really thought she was doing it she had a speech prepared she can't do it Heather's like okay no Whitney, really, listen, Jen, what Whitney's trying to say is that Heather thinks Whitney's scared, that she's so intimidated that this is why she can't speak. It's because she's been gone off the Vita Tequila and the Ola Tequila and the Americana Tequila or whatever Lisa's selling these days. So Heather is like, listen, um, you know, Heather's trying to help, but she's not saying, and Whitney's trying to go through earlier, you know, I know the difference between right and wrong, right? 
So imagine my surprise when I find out that they said, so <laughs> Heather's trying to help. Jen's getting pissed off because she knows that this is going somewhere bad, but she doesn't know exactly what's going on. So she's getting heated and is like, what the fuck is happening? What the hell is happening? Heather's like, okay, Jen, Meredith and Lisa called Mary and said that they were afraid of you. Okay, that's it. That, that That's the whole thing. <laughs> and so Jen's like, are you guys for real right now? Do you guys know how cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Mary is? Like, are you guys really hearing yourselves coming to me saying that she said that? She's pissed because this is happening at the party. And she's like, could they have not told me this the day after, the day before? Which is completely fair. It's like, you're clearly viewing this party for Sharif as like a way to reset your relationship. And if this is going to be the like determinant of you guys staying together then yeah I'd be pretty pissed off that they would bring this up so Lisa and Meredith are like elsewhere in the party but they're seeing what's going on they're like we can tell that something is things are escalating so let's go over there and see what happens which is the worst possible thing that they could have done knowing that they were not knowing they were walking into the lion's den (laughs) and that they were the ones being spoken about so they go over there and Jenna's like, why am I hearing that you guys are scared of me? You guys are talking shit behind my back to Mary? Like, what the hell's going on? So Lisa's now irritated. And she's like, Whitney, why are you telling Jen this stuff and you don't know it firsthand? Why wouldn't you just come to me and ask me if I was scared of Mary so I could tell you that I wasn't? And then Meredith and Lisa both deny that they said anything to Mary. And then Jen and Lisa go and walk off. They go to talk to each other. And Lisa's like, I just want you to know that this is ridiculous. <laughs> so she's let Whitney's left to her alone. She's like, you know what? As long as I got this liquid courage, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm going to open up all the vaults, all the Pandora boxes that are happening here. So I'm going to tell Meredith that. So I've just told Jen that Meredith and Lisa are afraid of you because of, and they've told Mary. So what I'm going to do now is just take this seven steps further. I'm going to tell Meredith that Jen was talking shit about her too and her marriage, talking shit on you and your man. So (laughs) she's like, you know, Whitney goes over to, to Meredith and is like, you know, Jen's been insinuating something's going on with your marriage. And like, maybe you guys were, you know, seeing other people. And Meredith is again, shut it down. I'm not going to entertain this. And unless Jen is sleeping with me or Seth, she has no, you know, she doesn't have the range. She doesn't need to be saying shit about anybody. They don't have, have any comments about what they do. So Meredith tells Whitney, she's like, maybe people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Not in reference to Whitney and Justin, but in reference to Jen and Shaw's like they shouldn't be talking about people cheating and seeing other people. You know, if you want to throw a stone, I'll throw one back, run right back at you. Okay. Um, so, you know, she's not trying to hear it. She's pissed. She's really pissed. So Whitney now has to untangle this mess. Lisa and Jen have come back. So the whole group's together. (laughs) Whitney's like, okay, here's my plan to figure out how to rectify everything that I just fucked up right now. She's like, so, uh, Whitney... (laughs) Whitney's like, so, okay, here's what's going to happen. Um, Jen, I think I need to talk to you to, like, figure out what is going on. And then after that, Jen, I think you need to have a conversation with Meredith because I just told her what you said about her and her family. So you're going to want to address that later. Okay. You guys are going to want to have to talk later. So Meredith is like, actually, I don't really think I'm going to be sticking around that long at this party to have a conversation, a one-on-one with Jen. This is now pure chaos, pure and unadulterated chaos. So let's set the scene, right? Heather's standing on the outskirts of all this. Like she's like, I'm wanting to listen. I'm waiting on a chicken pot lollipop. So like, I'm just going to stand on the periphery, see what's happening. If I have to jump in, I will. But for now I'm staying out of this and I'm just going to watch. <laughs> um, Jen is like, now what the fuck's going on? Because she's just like trying to figure out, she's just come back from this conversation with Lisa. Basically what's happened to Jen is 
Whitney is wasted and coming up to her and saying, Meredith and Lisa are scared of you. So she has a conversation with Lisa. Lisa's like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. I'm not scared of you. And now she's coming back into the situation. A, not knowing why Whitney would say that in the first place. B, now Meredith is mad at her. She has no idea why. (laughs) What Whitney could have possibly said to make that happen. And now she's like fucking livid, right? And Jen's like, what the fuck? And Whitney's like, I'm just trying to figure out and get to the bottom of all of this. (laughs) Like, Whitney, you are not helping (laughs) Jen throws a glass and is basically like, fuck Mary. I'm sick of her, like, ruining my shit. She throws a glass across the, you know, her son, Reefy Jr., or whatever his name is, is, he is shocked. He's, like, home alone face, like, oh my god, what's just happening? Jen is getting more and more ramped up. Um, she grabs Coach Shaw and is like, I'm not dealing with these bitches, you know, whatever. She leaves, Coach Shaw stays, but she leaves with Omar, her 14 year old son. They're in the back of the car. She's cursing. He's like, mom, I wish you wouldn't stop. I wish you would not drink and calm down and stop cursing at me. And, um, Lisa then goes off on Whitney about spreading shit that Mary said to her and Jen's screaming in the back seat. Sharif is like, she's been drinking. I don't know what's going on with her. He's now embarrassed and like trying to not make excuses for her, but basically be like, you know, like settle down this whole situation. My wife in a Beyonce costume just threw a glass across the fucking room. And now she's drunk in the back seat with my 14 year old son, our 14 year old son, like trying to <laughs> mediate the situation. I don't know what's going on. He's clearly embarrassed. That's the end of the episode. You guys, I'm very much looking forward to next week and seeing how all of this breaks down this we haven't I can't remember like such a tangled web being woven (laughs) so well by somebody and they didn't even mean to (laughs) Whitney created a very incredible set of circumstances for us to navigate our way through for the rest of the season and she wasn't even trying you know and that's why this rose isn't scared to handle a little prick thank you guys so much for listening Thank me for speaking.